0: Welcome to episode one eighty one of the Sales Development Podcast, hosted by David Delaney, powered by Ten Bound. And today's guest is Matt Wheeler, CEO at Qualified Meetings. To kick off this fantastic episode of the Sales Development Podcast. Matt tells us how he got involved into the sales development world, how his personal experience slamming the phones has shaped his passion for empowering SDRs and helping executive leadership teams understand the power of a great SDR team. Around the 15 minute mark, David asks Matt, "When is the right time to call in an outsourced sales development team like his team at qualified meetings. And Matt really dives deep into what makes a great outsource partner and when it makes sense to call on somebody like qualified meetings. Moving right along, they dive deeper on all things sales development. David asks Matt, when, if ever, sales development will be legitimized like other functions in organizations. Matt's answer is definitely encouraging and touches on the evolving sales development world. To wrap things up, Matt dropped some great advice on putting together an SDR program and some valuable tips for folks getting started as an SDR, an all-around, magnificent, fantastic, value-packed episode full of just everything sales development. So if you're learning, if you want to get better at your SDR job, if you're building out teams, this is a fantastic episode for you. Please, if you enjoy this episode, leave us a review, head over to 10bound.com, and as always, enjoy episode 181 of the Sales Development
1: Podcast. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. This is David Delaney, your host. I'm joined today by Matt Wheeler, the founder and CEO of Qualified Meetings. Matt, thanks for jumping on.
2: Thanks for having me, David. It's been a little while, so I'm excited to talk to you again.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. It's been quite a year. There's been a lot of ups and downs. <laughs> and I mean, you've been you've been working, you know, with clients. Across industries and really focus this year on on s you know advocacy around building up the profession of sales development and making it more effective. Before we get started, how did you get into sales development and and start the company?
2: Yeah, I mean, David, you know my the tag on my Audi says QM SDR, not QM CEO, right? So my my passion <laughs> has always been in that SDR role, and I've got a very interesting story that we could probably do in a whole call about how I transitioned from the seafood industry, you know, about 15, 18 years ago into IT technology sales. And, you know, the first thing I got introduced to was joining a company that ended up being acquired by Infoblox where we were, you know, pounding the phone and going outbound and, and trying to get people to listen to our story. And then over the first, I guess, three to five years of my career, you know, I made around a quarter million outbound phone calls and really started to dial in on you know the different approaches that you could use within different segments of the market using you know different personas and different verticals all these things but where i really you know love to spend my time is you know evaluating data and understanding roi and and making sure that the sdrs are not just effective and have results but also are getting well mentored and have you know good resources and the right tool stack around them to be successful because it's a very challenging job right and we want people to come in and have a really awesome experience in that role, because it can lead to really great things, especially in the technology market. And I think that, you know, listen, a lot of companies fail the SDR teams unintentionally, and those things can be avoided through a a bit more education and awareness in the market. And that's really where I'm going to focus a lot of my year this year is helping more SDRs understand how to measure their own ROI, looking at the management layer and helping them understand how to measure them against expectations and ramp up and, you know, the ROI on the you know, the deals that they get flowing through the system. And then on a leadership level, helping the executive team understand that, you know, when times get tight, COVID hits, the last thing you want to let go is your SDR program. It's already proven out that the SDR programs are very instrumental in companies becoming, you know, a public organization, going IPO, having meaningful mergers, acquisitions, things like that. So it's very important that executive leaders really understand that the SDRs are the first thing that you want to keep in place and expand on when the market kind of closes in.
1: 100%. So, there's so many things here, Matt. You know, I think companies realize, if they, especially in the software industry, I think it's really taken hold in the software industry that, you know, in the initial phase, you've got to have an SDR team out there knocking on doors, you know, beating down doors to get you in front and get the salespeople in front of. But why, why do you think that it's so hit or miss whether, you know, the program is effective or not? And, you know, there's not sort of a consistent, I guess you could say almost professionalism around sales development out there.
2: Yeah. Listen, this is why I love having these candid conversations, right? We got, you know, for the call, my partner was, you know, telling me we need to prep on these things. I love just having these fluid type of conversations, I think the biggest problem, David. You know, and it started. You know, I've been in the technology sales sector for 15, 20 years. That's really where we specialize even today. The you know, most of our clients are in the IT software or IT services industry. I'd say ninety percent of our clientele is in that bucket. What I found, you know, when I used to go to RSA and Black Hat and all these trade shows, and I would talk to CMOs, CROs, and whoever's on the floor that I could get a conversation with. A lot of times, I'd be walking around with the Zoom Info team, so it made it really easy to have these conversations. But Most of the time, what I found out, David, was companies had SDRs in that traditional fashion of let's hire some people, throw them at a desk, give them a phone and a phone book, and let's just pray that they're successful. And that is really the separation between how we try to help organizations internalize these programs or how we build them for them. It really starts with the design of the program, right? What are you trying to do when you go to market? What's your ideal customer profile? Who are the personas and verticals you're going after? What is that intelligent... Messaging that is meant to really align to the goals and needs of the people you're reaching out to in these organizations. And then it gets into tools, you know, what stack of tools you need, what's the process and the methodologies you should follow. And then the strength around training, right? As an SDR for four or five years in my early stages, training was really at a basic level. I had one company, thankfully, that you know, our CEO, Don Powell, back then at NetCordia, we were acquired by Infoblox that really invested in our centric sales training. But outside of that, you know, working for five or six tech companies, there was really no training involved, right? It was come in, marketing sends you some basic scripts, some white papers, you do a demo, and then you go sell. You really didn't get the education around, you know, who are these human beings that I'm reaching out to and kind of take this, you know, false wall around them that they always kind of put around it to say, you know just go reach out to people and say these bullet points that's just not how life works right if you're in a bar or wherever else you're not going to start a conversation around bullet points you're going to have to have human to human conversations so there's a lot of breakdowns there's no one part of that whether it's tools process methodology training even the recruiting on the front end making sure you're matching the dna of the person that you're hiring to the program how complex is it you know how high velocity is it what tools do you need what experience levels do these people have that you're bringing in there's a lot of parts in these programs that can break down and they're all very instrumental and you can kind of overlook some of them if you get a really brilliant rep that is innovative but that still doesn't scale right you may have that you know known factor that you know 10% of the sales development organization really is getting 90 percent of the goal or objectives done so you have to look at each part of the program and break it down and understand How are we training? How are we recruiting? What tool stack do we have? What are we trying to accomplish with this team to begin with? And then what is our ultimate goal? What are we trying to service in the market? And I think most companies really don't have this overall plan. It's just, hey, let's hire some people, throw them in the seat, give them some basic care and feeding and hope that it's successful. And then nine months down the road, they try to go backwards and evaluate, is this fail? Is there a failure here, or is it successful? And they never had anything to measure against from the get-go. And it's really concerning at times.
1: Got it. Okay. And so you're laying this out. So if there's an executive out there and they're going, okay, we need an SDR program. We've, We've got to get appointments. We need more pipeline. What should they do? Instead of the usual thing of let's just get some butts in the seats and hope for the best. And then nine months later, what should that executive do?
2: Yeah. I mean, where I start, you know, I've built, you know, my claim to fame was working at ForeScout Technology, right? I went in there and there was no SDR program and we were a $40 million company when I joined and we had to go build this thing out at scale. We ultimately became an IPO company in under, you know, four and a half years from that point. So we started with the basics, right? What does your sales landscape look like? Do you have account executives that are used to selling into existing accounts and just nurturing accounts, trying to do that land and expand model? Do you have salespeople that truly can take a cold lead, meaning you go out, introduce yourself, identify a pain or a problem within an organization, your solution aligns that, is that sales rep going to really be able to facilitate that conversation and have, you know, a drill down around solving problems in an organization? Or are they going to try to bullet point salespeople and hope that there's enough interest through a demo to get, a, get the problem solved? So you got to start with the reality of, right, you know, what does your sales organization look like and what can you do to support that? And then you really build down from there, right? If you have aggressive sellers that are looking to expand markets and you've hired with that mindset from the get-go, then you want to go out and marry the SDR program to that a bit to get folks that want to go out and you know get introductions. And then the next thing you want to think about, what level of qualification do your SDRs need, right? Is your product is super popular and everybody wants to get a look at it and it's a lot of demo days for the reps? That's fine, Right. Or is it a very complex solution and there's a lot of qualification that needs to be done by the SDR so you don't waste the time of some quarter million dollar seller that needs to be closing deals. You're constantly bringing them in to do window shopping exercises. You really want to train your SDRs to be more complex sellers, grooming them to be future AEs. And then there's the you know the kind of high velocity model where your ASP may be under 50 grand. You've got to get a lot more deals on a table. What does that multiplier look like, right? If you've got $10,000 deals, what's the lifetime value? How many of those deals on an annual basis does an SDR need to put in the pipeline to close? That would give you some kind of ROI against that investment, right? If you're paying, just as an example, $100,000 for a fully loaded SDR and you're selling ten dollars to $30,000 gadgets or wadgets, how are you getting your money back out of that, right? You got to do that formula up front or otherwise you're just going to put an, you know, some kind of pressure on that SDR team that's unrealistic you really got to just break down, you know, what do you need to accomplish? Are the logos worth more than the actual cost of going to get them? Or is it the other way around? Is that, you know, does that team have to have an ROI for you to afford to have them as an organization? There's just so many things, David, that I could spend a day just kind of dissecting there. But it is critical that the executive leadership knows, listen, this is what we're going to spend. This is what we need to get out of them. And is, that re- is there is that realistic, right? Do we need to go spend some of that on some digital marketing. Can we go do that through cold outbound because it's enterprise? There's just, there's a lot of layers.
1: So it's almost like a research, you know, analyst report on the roadmap of how you're going to do this. And do you think that most teams just bypass this whole preparation point because it just seems like a big headache and it's like, let's just hire some people and have them figure it out. And then the check, I'm done with that. That's off my list. I can move to the 27 other things I have to do.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's a combination. I think there's a lot of hope casting that goes on out there in every organization where they just you know, don't forecast, they hope cast, thinking that hey, we, we're going to get <laughs> to a cast. deal some magical way, like right? that. that magical fairy dust I talked to you about earlier. <laughs> uh, just, we're going to get a lot there. of we're fairy now. dust out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think that that is some of it. And then I do think that there's some points of the SDR program where there's either a lack of knowledge or understanding or a lack of interest where, you know, a lot of people that hire us, they don't want to deal with it, right? They don't want to deal with butts and seats at 8 They don't want to deal with making sure that 200 calls a day were met. They don't want to deal with, you know, 7 to 10 hours of just listening to calls and evaluating for feedback and coaching. It's very heavy to have, especially when you have small organizations that have maybe, you know, under 10 SDRs. To have those layers of things that you need to successfully support that team, you know, coaching and mentoring through you know, training and making sure that you're constantly listening to calls and giving feedback. because it's, it's our job to improve the experience of the SDR, not just to constantly dump on their desk to just put this you know, pressure on them to hit some fictitious number because we feel like we need it. And I work in with the organizations, you know, at any given time, I have 20 or 30 clients that we're working with and I'm meeting with the executive team you do see this different mentality around people that truly have a go-to-market strategy and understand what their data consumption is and how much data they have to address in the market with how many reps and they understand it to that level versus the ones that are just kind of out there in the trenches firing shots all day. It's a different mindset. And I think that part of it's coming from where we've evolved out of this 80s, you know, 1980s call center mentality where, hey, just go hire a bunch of college kids or You know, folks that want to go do call center activities and give them a basic script and somebody's going to be interested. That did work, right? At one point, maybe, but today, customers are more intelligent. They have access to a lot of information. They can do a lot of research. You can't have somebody calling up an executive that doesn't truly understand the goals and objectives of the organizations or that individual. You just are not going to have anything to relate to. So you're in an age of automation where people can automate everything, right? Social interaction, email the volume of calls, all these things. But if that rep isn't truly prepared to have a very educational conversation with a decision-maker, influencer, or a user, those conversations are gonna fall flat. So you do all this work to get leads generated, tools in place, systems, all these things, right, to manage this SDR program, and then things fall apart on the training side where people are just not coached and trained and really ready to have conversations. Again, that's just another breakdown area, I guess, but there are many of them.
1: So where's the break point if you're that executive and you're like, you know, I'm listening to everything Matt's saying and I totally get it and and stuff like that, but I just want to punt this thing. When do they call an outsourced company and just say, you take this so that I can move <laughs> on with my life?
2: Yeah. I mean, listen, it's different for everybody. I mean, our new little saying here is, you know, you got Zoom info, now what? QM is that now what? So if you're looking to do something internally, QM is structured in a way that we help companies internally you know, build that go-to-market strategy, build that ideal customer profile plan, look at the tool stacks and, and things like that. You have great training companies like yourself that can come in and help actually coach and mentor some of these SDRs. So they have every area that they could possibly leverage to do those things. In some cases, it makes sense if companies are really want to own it internally to do that. In some cases, we see companies that are like, hey, we want to own it, but maybe we'll have you guys build a separate team so we can have a benchmark and maybe we manage both teams or maybe we manage one or the other. And in a lot of cases, I'll be honest with you, David, a lot of people want this done extremely well, but they just don't want to do it. And they throw it on our desk and we become a partner of theirs. The difference in the way I built this, you know, when I was at Fourscout, scout infoblocks, climate, all these other tech companies, the big separation in the market that I saw when I went to use an outsourcer was really that when I used an outsourcer, it felt exactly that way. Right. It was a call center, meaning it's low quality meetings. It's people reading off a script. They really weren't truly experts. Most of the time they're doing multiple projects at any given time, which I've not been able to do myself as an expert in this space. Or you have these appointment setters that go out and spam data, offer bribes to get meetings. And then what gets thrown over the fence is whatever it is. Right. The way we introduce ourselves to the market is being a true partner to where when you hire us, we're your SDR team no differently if you went and hired them yourself. And the accountability is exactly the way it would be if you hired me to be your SDR manager. Now, I'm not an SDR manager anymore, David, but our team still is, right? We come in and take over that role and we have that same you know, chain of command and reporting accountability to our clients as we would have. And that's the only way I've seen it be successful, at least in complex sales and enterprise business. When you get into more transactional call center stuff, there's plenty of opportunities out there to engage with, with people that can do this for you. But I think that that's probably one of the biggest things that companies need to ask themselves. Do we truly have the internal expertise that will allow us to go out and do this and be thoughtful to our SDR team and not just you know, beat on people every day to you know, grind it out and get something done, but to be thoughtful in the way that, hey, they need data, they need intelligent messaging, they need these tools and, and things to help support them. And when they're failing, you know, we don't blame our SDRs when things fail. We start with data, systems, and process. When we find out that those things aren't broken, then we come back and try to coach up the SDR and look for fail points there. A lot of organizations don't have that kind of bandwidth or ability. So if you don't have it, get someone to partner with you to help you either internalize that or just get it off your desk altogether. There's, There's just way too many options now to outsource this in a very strategic way. So I'm not sure I would suggest a lot of people doing it internally. But then there are organizations. Listen, this isn't 2001 you know, or 2005 anymore. When I first got into tech, there wasn't a lot of people out there like me that really obsessed over being an SDR and the process and the methodology and the cadences. I was doing that you know, long before outreach.io. I was building cadences and doing it manually on my own there are more people out there now that we've trained that have come through and be an SDR. So if you are going to do it yourself, really be thoughtful about the experience level of the person you're hiring and understanding what their go-to-market plan is with that team. So that team has really good support. I mean, it's very important that SDRs get the care and feeding they need, that they need. And most organizations just, they don't work that way. I mean, it comes from everything from the account executive, helping them learn and ramp up. You know, it's, that's one of your most valuable resources. They have the hardest job in the organization and they tend to still be that little call center mindset team that gets thrown at a desk. And we, we haven't evolved completely away from that yet.
1: We still haven't. And it's interesting because you've got the sales pipeline, right? Which is, you know, getting the appointments and getting the pipeline, but then you've got the talent pipeline. And so one thing that you mentioned was you build the program in-house, but you also would use like a qualified meetings and sort of have them running concurrently. Do you share information? Do you share data? Or is it just, are they completely separate?
2: Yeah, we share. So we have, you know, unlike that call center model, right? Where a guy shows up like you or myself and tells you how brilliant everything's going to be. And then the curtain goes back and you don't know what goes on behind the the scenes. Our curtains are wide open, right? There's nowhere for us to hide. In most cases we work with right within the client's infrastructure, systems. And if we don't, we build an island and and give them their own bridge to get in. I think it's very critical that everyone is looking at the same data and understands even when there's fail points, right? Because we are going to fail and we're going to fail often. It's just about how long you let yourself fail, right? So the idea is that we we constantly (laughs) tune up the messaging and the process and the tool stack and all those things for the client, but those fail points will always be there. 100%.
1: 100%. And so you can, you know, build the talent pool, because I think a lot of people start a SDR team, not just for the pipeline, but they want that talent pool, you know, within their company. Well, I'm glad to hear
2: you say that. You yep. know
1: what I mean? Well, that's,
2: <laughs> well, that's I, what we Listen, yeah. that's what we want, right? I've been, a you know, when I went to Scout, one of the first things I did, I sat down with our, and I came in working for the CMO at the time, but I really reported to everyone as the Senior Director of Sales Development. I built those bridges with the sales department because, I mean, let's be realistic, right? 18 to 36 months is an average tenure for an SDR, right? We want to get 36 months. And I believe personally, the longer you stay in that role, the more successful you ultimately be. But people are impatient and excited to go do other things and make more money. But we we want to have that path laid out. I mean, we're a career development company at the end of the day. We know everyone coming in may spend 24 months, 36 months, 48 months with us, whatever that may end up being. You know, we allow our customers to be able to hire SDRs off into you know inside sales roles, junior account executive roles, wherever that may be. You have to have that path laid out for them because 90% of the time they're looking to go do that. So if you have that thought through, right? It's a way to number one save money because you're not having the turnover and the people coming in and out of the organization. 10 or 15 years ago, though, there was no path like that. It was just they would go out and hire people with Rolodexes and relationships. That had five or ten years of experience, and then they would come in, and you know, there's always that six to nine months of just leeway of ramping up and getting your assignment going to hit your quota. Now, you know, that transition point to having an internal SDR that truly gets ramped up and understanding everything about the organization, having the ability to hold conversations. I believe the hardest conversations on that introduction call, right? Because if you can get someone to engage with you then and help them understand how you solve that problem it's a lot easier when they come to a scheduled call and hey, here's what we're here to do. And we're going to take you through this experience than it is to do that. So, you know, the more experience they get there, the more valuable they'll be ultimately to your organization. But if you don't have a career path for them, don't shake your head wondering why after 24 to 36 months, your SDR team constantly leaves because that's what will happen. You know, they want to make more money and that job's hard. I mean, that's one of the hardest jobs ever. You keep your head on the desk all day making phone calls. You know to get those couple little wins, and sometimes wins are just a good conversation they're not even an opportunity
1: hundred percent and so a couple of things is one with the with the shift you know to more working from home, do you focus on having them in the office and having that that high touch you know training and coaching right there in the office? are you seeing a shift to people working at home doing this and and then the other thing I want to ask you is, you know, lifers. Do you see people that come in and they just want to be an SDR, you know, for the rest of their life? And that's pretty much it. And they do a good job. You know, they produce month after month. So working from home and, you know, the lifer.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the work from home may create more lifers. I mean, listen, I if I wasn't a CEO of this company, I would stay in the SDR role in some capacity. And I still do it a lot here. I think that, There's a lot of things that have changed, you know, and luckily when I I go back to Four Scout, I keep telling you it's my claim to fame rates. I'm going to talk about it a lot. But when I was there, I built the SDR program around the NFL cities. I wanted SDRs to be in key geographies where we could do these in-territory events and manage them remotely. And it also gave me access to talent across the country rather than one part of the state or other. Today, you know, we're centralized out of Tampa, Florida, and there's a lot of great resources here. That's why I moved here five years ago to take advantage of that. But we now are in a situation where people can be hired 20, 30 minutes away that don't have to drive into the office as frequently. We have a state of the art training center in our office. We have the key management team that's in the office primarily most of the time, well separated, mask, all that fun stuff, the digital scanning coming into the building, all that great stuff. We don't require our SDRs to come in to do their day to day phone calls, but we have operation facilities where we can bring in small groups of people safely to do in-person training or coaching up, things like that. We have moved, though, to doing a lot of our onboarding and things remotely. And when you think about even in an office, when you're internally there, you're still in an office doing a lot of things in a digital way anyway, right? You're going in the back end, listening to phone calls, things like that. Not too often, the SDR managers are just sitting there all day listening to things because they're in and out of meetings and talking to, you you know, sales and marketing, doing all this other stuff. So they end up having to go back and listen or use tools to, you know, identify conversations. So not, I'd say that ideally, you know, it it is for me, at least being from the generation I'm in, I still enjoy the bullpen mentality of like getting people in a room and creating that energy. And that's hard to replicate virtually. But then on the other side of it, you know, there is a lot of freedom where people aren't spending two hours a day commuting. They're not, you know, SDRs in early stages, when they're not making an incredible amount of money, they're not dropping $100 a month on dry cleaning and things like that. So there's a lot of things that make that an optimistic virtual job. So I think that we're still learning from that, David. I'm not too sure that I have, I don't have the answers from that yet. I think once we get through this year, everybody gets their vaccine, we can get back and be a little more in person. I think that we will engage with everyone that way, but I think that we'll probably stay 80% virtual moving forward and just utilize our training center. Now, mentioning this lifer thing, I've never really found more than 10 or 15% of the market that truly is a lifer. I do know a good handful of them, and I know why they do it, right? They know every day what they wake up and do. They really get off on generating new opportunity. Very few people have that skill set. And I think a lot of people leave the SDR role just because of the financial cap that there maybe feel like there is versus sales. But I also see where the market is starting to really invest a little more heavier in the SDR role because it's starting to understand the importance of the experience. So there's ways to graduate from like a low complexity, high velocity job into something very complex for security vendors, things like that, that take you know, a really high level of education and you know, cognitive abilities to respond to things on the fly that are very difficult to answer to. And that value is going up on the financial side. But you know, when you start carrying around a sales bag and, and being responsible for revenue, it's a lot of pressure there. And listen, some people value having a happy, healthy life over constant stress and aggravation. And sales, you know, we don't all get to live till we're 90 doing this job. It's very stressful and demanding. Yeah, that's
1: so true. Well put. And you know, from your perspective the sales development, you know, job in the industry itself, it's so important in building pipeline and building the talent pipeline. When, if ever, do you think that it will get the acknowledgement or prestige, you know, of other departments? Or will it always be sort of a redheaded stepchild that, you know, I don't know, <laughs> no offense to any redheaded stepchildren, but, you know, will it always be sort of that, you know, afterthought, I guess. I
2: think we're in the time right now, David, where people are really understanding and being thought leaders and the fact that there's definitely a correlation to these companies going IPO, having mergers, acquisitions that align to these successful and impactful sales development programs. So I think the understanding is growing there. The education, I mean, look at what's around us now. I mean, can you imagine 15 years ago, if we had podcasts from David Delaney to listen to, I had nothing. Right, there wasn't these educational formats where I could come in as an SDR and just listen to all this great information, and then that information is being listened to by future managers. We're also seeing a generation now that starts a lot heavier with the SDR role and then graduates into these other positions. So we're starting to see now, after the last fifteen years, people entering into the vice president of sales role or a CMO or an account executive that was an SDR for multiple years. We have a security client right now, and I train the SDR about six years ago, and now they're an account executive, brought us into a security company. They really have a lot of empathy for the SDR in that job. They understand it, they understand how hard it is and how difficult it is to get people to respond and what the COVID situation probably you know added from a complexity side. So I think that we are starting, we're in that age of transformation right now. Listen, sales hasn't transformed a lot. If you look back at the last hundred years, we're in that transformation. You got digital transformation, You know, we got cadence transformation. We've got the content transformation because content is king right now with all the automation. And I think people really are starting to understand how difficult a job that is and how much support is needed to do it the right way. And listen, we learn our best lessons from failure. And I'm, you know, the failure child of the sales development world, right? I've learned everything that I've learned from failing and learning really hard lessons. And I think that a lot of organizations have done things the wrong way And these programs have fell on their face and they're not willing to do that again in their next experience. So they're being a little more intentional and thoughtful about how they're going to approach this again. And I think that's going to bleed into the environment we're in for the next five to 10 years. So I do see where, I'm not sure we're going to see sales development people put on the pedestal that they deserve in my opinion, but I do see where there's going to be a lot more understanding of how valuable that resource is. And as the market you mentioned earlier that technology already gets this, the importance of the SDR role. Completely agree with you, 1 million percent. We're also starting to see other markets adopt that model of the importance of that SDR. And that goes through all markets we're seeing now. And they're starting to see where that call center mindset of just bullet point sales and approach doesn't have a great effectiveness. So they're really starting to look at you know, higher caliber folks that have had better training or more experience for that job. So I I absolutely do think we're going to see some transformation there. I think that there's a whole generation still of account reps that really don't understand what being an SDR is like because they really are from the mindset of, you know, relationship selling, rolodexes and, you know, meeting people at trade shows things like that and we're not going to be able to see a lot of that be effective for a while, right? I think that relationships aren't as effective now, not because the relationship's not good. It is, and it may pay off for some people eventually, but organizations are better trained now to buy than they're ever, they've ever been. They don't just get to buy from you or I because they like us. We still have to solve a problem. There's typically a couple of checkpoints, whether it's a CFO, CEO, and these other folks that have some opinion on these decisions that get made. So we're seeing a whole culture change and even that sales persona. And I said it 10 years ago, I said, The Rolodex salesperson, relationship salespeople, they're the age of dinosaurs. It's over with. Those relationships are helpful, but you can't walk into an organization being impactful through a relationship. You've got to go find new opportunity and market while nurturing existing relationships. So I can't wait to see what happens over the next five to 10 years. I'm actually very excited about it. And I think that there is going to be more of a understanding and respect level for sales development reps better than there ever has been in the past.
1: I completely agree. And it's a great opportunity for everyone involved to deepen our understanding of this topic because, man, the sky's the limit here. I'm especially optimistic to hear that you're seeing it spread, you know, out beyond just the tech industry. You know, and, we
2: are. And, we're starting to see, you know, very transactional organizations that, you know, sell five to ten thousand dollar widgets, start to understand that that mindset of not being thoughtful to the people they're calling is starting to be negatively in, is negatively impacting their organization. And now they're kind of looking at how their go to market and approach to data strategy and all those things are. It's refreshing. It's not happening fast enough for us because we're stuck in the middle of some of that with, you know, some of our clients trying to transition in that way, but we are seeing it. We're starting to see leadership, even at the board level, understand the impact value of having this well Defined machine that can just go out there and become that SEAL Team Six for the organization, kicking down doors. You know, I explain this well. You know, my brother's a W 4 Blackhawk pilot and he's dropped off a lot of people in wartime situations, right? When he does that, he doesn't drop them in the middle of the desert or the jungle, right? He puts them at the doorstep. And that's really what we're seeing now with SDRs. SDRs need to be dropped on the front door in the front line to be able to go knock those doors down. And there's support factors that come in there. You need marketing, digital marketing training all these things to help support them be successful. And I think a lot of organizations are wising up to that.
1: 100%. And I think you, you also mentioned that the generation of leaders are kind of, you know, phasing out or I mean, you know, the leaders at the top of a sales or a marketing organization that don't understand sales development, and they don't know what you're talking about, are going the way of the dinosaur. Because not only is it the SDRs are moving into those positions. But if you're one of the old guys like me, you better understand how to do this because otherwise the other guy's going to eat your lunch, right?
2: Well, that you just said it right there, David. So, I mean, these, these sales development reps that we're training to do this high velocity with intelligence model of getting, they can go and insert themselves into an organization. that's up and coming five, 10, 20, $40 million software organization they can come in from day one and build a territory strategy map and understand the targets and the verticals and all those things they want to go approach, go to data systems, Zoom Info and others, right, and grab data and go and approach that market in a way that those folks you just described cannot. And that is threatening, right? Because I'm watching now, you know, I have 15 years of, you know, hand coaching and mentoring over 150 SDRs myself. Those folks are now surpassing me. They're becoming directors of sales, VPs of sales. They're running marketing programs and taking over SDR leadership roles. So we're starting to see where I had to figure a lot of the stuff out. You had to figure it out, right? We didn't, there weren't tools, right? There was very limited. You know, when I got into sales development, you know, it was Jigsaw, Henry Chuck and the team at Zoom or Discover Word were just coming out of the garage by a couple of years. We had insidesales.com and there was a handful of good, you know, outsource vendors that were out in the market. That's no longer the case. There's a lot of old dogs like ourselves that are out there helping educate the market, give them more awareness, putting them in more successful situations when they enter into a company and getting, you know, kind of better foundations built from day one. And they're just going to take that and run with it. And they're going to make us look like we're dinosaurs here soon, which I'm excited about, honestly. (laughs) <laughs> exactly.
1: I love it, man. I can still I make
2: my 200 it. calls, but I, you know, by the end of the day, I'm freaking drained and I got to go, you know, drink four cups of coffee to do it, but I, I'll still compete <laughs> with them.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Matt, this has been so informative. I think any of those, you know, young hustlers or, you know, anybody who wants to, you know, become more expertise in this, go back, rewind this and track, you know, Matt's advice in in putting a real, program together before you just rush into starting this. And if you're just getting into the industry, what an amazing opportunity right now for people.
2: I mean, David, listen, if you're an SDR too, really take advantage of that. Don't walk in thinking that the company owes you something, yes. right? Utilize every single resource they have. Listen, I thought everybody that I worked for hated me because I just constantly asked for stuff, right? Sky Gordon, my boss that hired me at Forescout to come in and build that program at Forescout. I worked with them at Excel Ops. I, I could have swore he hated me. I was constantly asking for data sheets. I needed more product marketing training. I needed more leads. I just asked for stuff every day. That's okay, right? But know there's limitations and there's a timeline. Also think about what you can do to be impactful. Look at your ROI, right? What is the company investing in you? How do you get a 5 to 10x ROI for the organization, right? If they're dropping 80000 60000 100000 on you, How do you go get them a million dollars in business and be accountable back? And if you take that mindset of the accountability back to that organization, you're never going to get fired. You're always going to be in line for the next promotion of financial or whatever that reward is. Do take the accountability. Don't just assume these organizations are going to have everything that I've just put out here on the wish list. Help educate them and help them understand, but help them understand through driving success. Right? I was always able to get anything I wanted as an SDR and SDR manager when I was out there crushing it, getting revenue done. When I was putting revenue on the books, no one questioned my request ever. If you're the person <laughs> sitting there, not I getting meetings, none of your deals are going through, not taking any of that accountability, you're going to ask for stuff and no one's going to deliver because you just haven't earned it.
1: Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. Dude, I'm pumped up, man. So, okay. I'm going to
2: go make some phone calls, David. I'll be honest.
1: So I'm ready, man. Put me in the coach. So they decide that they want to talk to you. They use Zoom Info. They want to talk to you. How do we get in touch with you? What's the next step if they want to check out QM?
2: Yep. QualifyMeetings.com. We've got also a great content center in our Oktoberfest. That's O-P-P-T-O-B-E-R-F-E-S-T. <laughs> like Oktoberfest is an opportunity festival we do every year in October. We'd love to have you on there next year, David. Zoom Info is one of our top sponsors for that. It's really... That website is all about the SDR, all about the managers of the SDRs, and all about the executive teams helping them understand why these SDR teams are so important. We're going to spend a lot of time and energy really beefing that website up. But on the other front, I'm always available if any organization, you know, free call or not, wants to get on the phone and talk about what they're currently doing. And even if they're not doing business with us, it's fine. We want to be advocates for SDR success, whether that success means it's internal to your organization and you just need a couple of things you got to fix or you need to outsource it in a more meaningful way to us. We don't care. At the end of the day, we want the SDRs to have the successful experience within your organization or at ours working for your company. And we want these SDRs to thrive. We want them to know that this is a great opportunity for them to go out. And the sky's the limit. Right. I know a lot of SDRs that are now making two hundred and fifty to five hundred thousand dollars a year. And I can tell you, you know, in my 20s, I never thought that was even possible, but it is out there. You just got to go take it.
1: Are those guys hiring? (laughs)
2: They're always hiring. They're looking for the
1: best. You got to give me their names. I'll apply. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome, Matt. Well, thank you. Yeah. Everybody jump on that. We'll throw those links in the comments on the show. I appreciate it, And Matt, thanks for coming on and sharing your wisdom on the sales development.
2: Yep. Let's not wait till we get together this long next time, David. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with your audience. 100%. All right, buddy. Take care. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.